today's podcast is going to be a great episode. I think most of the episodes are great. Thursday, May 5th. And I got to tell you, months ago when I started to share with you, not a fear, but it's one of the hardest things in, in broadcasting is to have the prep information and borderline hubris to sit here, talk to we're talking to you, but to talk to yourself by yourself um, and get your points out in, in, a, in as much detail, but without lingering on and on. And I think I'm getting a little bit better at this because I do it more often as friends of the podcast have other lives to get to. And I'm always fortunate they can spend what time they do. And I'm still planning on having my dad on, on Saturday. So what's coming up today? Um, my good friend, Dorothy Mockenstrom is on in just a couple of moments because there is no longer the breakfast that you might have heard me talk about a couple of years ago that Ryan Weekman hosted. It was a very snappy, like 30-minute program at the Pinnacle. Now it's an evening event, Raising Hope, June 2nd, with a wheelbarrow of liquor for you to bid on lots of silent auction items, drinks, food, and a really good time. June 2nd, Pinnacle, Raising Hope. What else? Um, You might have seen some Tom Hanks pictures floating around. After the visit with Dorothy, I'm going to have my friend and former neighbor, uh, Officer Hassan Chaib on, because Hassan was in the picture that you've probably seen from uh, from TPD. Tom Hanks, uh, you, we all have, and I'm so glad to see so many people, one, being curious about him being here, how long was he here, did he sign a Paco's bun, where did he stay, blah, 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 but just the Tom Hanks dialogue. I, I, he is not, he's not a big Marvel star, uh, he's not Robert Pattinson. But he is—he's uh, had a what a thirty-five-year career with some incredible award-winning movies. But he's not out there a part of pop culture like some actors and actresses are. So I'm glad to see people interested in talking about him. Um, lots of great movies, as I just mentioned, from Toy Story to Joe the Volcano, Castaway. Uh, my favorite Tom Hanks movie. Let me play some of the trailer for you, and then I'll see if you can figure out what it is. Doc just took a dump on Rumsfeld's lawn again. Until the Klopex moved in. Klopex? Klopex. Klopex. No one goes in, no one comes out. Neighbors from hell. It was a nice place to live. He said he thinks the Klopex are evil incarnate. Well, you're much too smart to fall for that, aren't you, honey? But now... Carol! You wouldn't want to visit there. Ray, this is Walter. No! I think that was that was in the 80s, I think. Uh, I think I saw it at the Leo Mall with a friend. One of the first movies my mom or dad dropped me off at that I could go without them. And I'm pretty sure that was a Tom Hanks movie after Big, but before he went Supernova. Any idea what it is? I threw it up on my Facebook. Now let me throw together my visit with Dorothy Mockenstern from Good Grief of Northwest Ohio. If you're unfamiliar with what they do, I think you're in for a real treat. I hope you're going to learn a lot and share the message of what they do because unfortunately, this is not like cancer or heart disease where we hope we can avoid it. Unfortunately, we're all going to feel loss and it is as painful as it could possibly be when it comes and hits kids and teens. 
That's why I enjoy my friendship and what Dorothy does. I'd like to say hello to my good friend now of nearing like five years. Yeah. You know that, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're more than one pandemic of friendship. <laughs> and and lots of lunches at Grape Leaf, which we have to set up again. Yeah, we do. We um, do. Dorothy Mockensturm, executive director of something that people listening right now might not know about. Good Grief of Northwest Ohio. Um, we'll start at the beginning for those who are unfamiliar, and then we'll wrap up with the upcoming event, which is less than a month away. I'm sure you're very nervous about that because it's a new event from we the are. old one, and we'll we'll tie all this together. But um, as I asked somebody last week, and I'll, I'll ask the question that people, they might be wondering what Good Grief is. What the heck is Good Grief? Well, thank you for asking, Of course. Eric. Um, so Good Grief of Northwest Ohio is an independent nonprofit. We provide peer support groups for children and teens who've had a death impact their lives. Um, our, our services are completely free and the program is open-ended, which means families decide when they start with us and they stay with us as long as they are, as long as they want to. Um, over the last, well, Two years and several months when I've talked about good grief and I know we did some virtual things during the pandemic. I was certain when I was talking about it, whether it be podcast on the air. Um, this is not like this is not a birth from covid. Um, no. This is when you lose a grandparent, which, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, nobody lives forever. Um, it could be it could be a, a, something tragic where uh, an illness takes someone. But this is not specifically tied to COVID, though we do know a lot of people have lost people to COVID. Um, talk about how things were, um, how things changed for you, losing losing grandparents mm -hmm. or a tragedy to moving into the COVID era, how, how that affected good grief. Sure. Well, yeah. So, you know, the when a death occurs... Um, and it's a, a child is experiencing it. I mean, the the bottom drops out, and um, how we respond to that is really um, important and helps sort of decide what kind of impact that death is going to have for that kid for the rest of their lives. So what we're doing is is helping them find, um, you know, supportive ways, healthy coping mechanisms, supportive people, um, positive activities to um, sort of build that emotional tool belt so that when the tough times come, they are um, less inclined to rely on negative or unhealthy ways of coping with the pain of, of somebody they love having died. Um, and yeah, so when COVID hit, we were just like everybody else. I mean, it was shut down. Um, we are definitely a human to human uh, model of of being together. Um, so we we did pivot, thankfully, quickly to virtual support groups, um, and we did that probably for about a year. We came back in September of twenty last year, twenty twenty one. Um, and so we've been in person this whole program season, which is um, which is which is wonderful, which is the way it's designed to be. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, the the impact of covid is is definitely I mean, it's so far reaching and I'm just convinced that um, children are the ones that are going to bear the brunt of all of this um, even if they didn't have a death happen mm -hmm. during the time. I mean, it's it's their their sense that everything is okay and that the adults around them are in charge and are going to make it okay um i think was was kind of kind of dissipated during all this time yeah um and one of the one of the things that 
if you want to say it was a silver lining during the during the pandemic was that it it did raise sort of the group awareness of loss. I mean, we all felt like we lost something, mm-hmm. whether whether it was a person that that died or, you know, we just lost our sense of safety. Um, and no more so than kids who were grieving. Mm-hmm. Like we just put things on hold. We couldn't go to work for a while or we didn't we didn't go to the grocery store for a while. You can't put grief on hold. Um, and so those kids were in a lot of ways even more isolated than they would have been without a pandemic. So we saw that in the numbers that responded when we came back, um, when we came back to in-person. Um, and we're still getting calls, you know, every day. Um, and, and many of those families, it was a COVID-related yeah. death. Uh, I'm Mr. Silver Lining when it comes to the, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I keep throwing out there, far fewer people are ignoring their mental health now. Um, because of it, because of what you talked about, the isolation, the uncertainty, the mm-hmm. anxiety. Uh, let me go backwards mm-hmm. before before the pandemic. When did good grief get going here? And then also bring up the fact that I think, as we've talked about before, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. There's only one other program like it in the country, Seattle. We well, no, there we are the only one in Northwest Ohio that does this. But there are you know hundreds of of childhood bereavement support organizations throughout the country. The one you're thinking of is the Dougie Center in Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. who was really kind of the pioneer of all of this. Um, and I'm sorry, what was the other question? Oh, when did we get started? When, yes. Yeah, okay. We um, we did a pilot program with some families in 2013, and so we've been. Um, you know, working with with children and teens and families since then. And um, in the last couple of years, really kind of uh, about a year before the pandemic, we've been doing some in-school support groups. Um, And that, of course, had to to be curtailed uh, immediately when the school shut down. We... um, but, but that is an area that the board of directors and the staff feel very strongly. We are um, in the process of hiring a, a position, created a new position to uh, focus solely on in-school support groups. So that will be in addition to the increased need of, of families um, at our Reynolds Road location, we'll also be able to eat, meet the needs of more grieving kids by going into their school. One of the reasons why I love what you guys do so much is it's it's kind of grim. Um, with all the causes that we're we're familiar with, all the walks that we do, uh, I, I just had a friend on recently for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and mm-hmm. Light the Night, uh, the Heart Association walk, the walks that I participate with, the Out of the Darkness. Um, not everybody is going to have any kind of connection to them as insidious as some of those things are and, and cancer and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Everybody is going to lose somebody, and that's why you guys are so vitally important. It sounds it's the it's the most Eric Chase thing there is, telling you that you're going to lose a lot of people in your life. And mm-hmm. there's a great quote that I remember from a movie that most people hate, the Indiana Jones movie. And the guys uh, said, "We're at the point in our life where life starts." taking things from us rather than giving us things, mm. and we should all hope that we mm-hmm. can get to a very old age before that happens. But to the point where you guys come in is. An eight-year-old is going to lose a grandparent um, just because of 
simple old age mm-hmm. again that 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 is very possible to happen to so many people oh how, absolutely how do you guys help the kids like what's a session like and the peer support and the activities and like you talked about the healthy coping skills for something that you know people of all ages need but kids especially so sure well i think we respond to people who are grieving in whatever way um you know our our family did or our perhaps our religion or our culture and and those ways are sort of knee jerk you know we say things that we've heard said or or come to mind and they're not always helpful like what can i have an example um well maybe god needed an angel or aren't you (laughs) glad that he can watch you from heaven now or uh you need to be the man of the house and to a seven, four, five, six, seven, any kid, but especially those younger ages, those things are actually really confusing. Kids take that kind of thing taken as read. So if you're saying to a kid, aren't you glad he can watch you from heaven, that gives the impression that everybody else knows where he is, but, I, but they're not telling me. And if he can see me, why can't I see him? And if you know where he is, take me there. I... I can see why there, you might have upset somebody right now. I'm sure you've thrown that opinion out there and people oh, yeah. people dislike it, which, you know, that's why we get along. Strong opinions. <laughs> um, but let, let's break that down a little bit. I can understand a parent maybe rationalizing going, I don't know how to explain this mm-hmm. and I just need to bring my kids some peace. Mm-hmm. Um, let's walk through this a little bit. And why is that so painful? You already said like explaining the kid can't see, but the parent or the grandparent could. What's a what's a healthier way to explain that to a child than that imagery? It makes me sad too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I miss him too. Um, and and really, the thing is to listen to the to the kid, and um, and give honest answers. Uh, to the extent that that child can understand it. So often, kids will want to have. Um, a clearer understanding of what caused the death, whether it was, you know, um, we, we actually see that a lot. Kids are trying to wrap their heads around the concept of death and the, and the, the idea of permanence and thoughts about the future. Kids don't typically think in those terms. And now maybe their dad died and they need to, they need to wrap their head around the fact that He's. I, I had a little boy one time say to me, I, how can he be gone? All his stuff is still in his drawer. Mm-hmm. Like his clothes were still there. How can he be gone? And um, I remember my sister saying to me after, uh, I was an adult, but my mom died when I was three. Um, and my oldest sister saying to me, she remembered being at our mom's graveside saying, how can she, how can I still be alive if she's dead? That's just the way kids think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 centered on themselves, and yet understanding how that how they're going to move through life. When, at what age? And I guess it's different for everybody. But you see this with the large amounts of kids coming through the program. Mm-hmm. At what age do they kind of start to grasp it if it's explained correctly in, in like mm-hmm. hard scientific terms? Right. Well, I mean. Kids have magical thinking for a while. I mean, and that can, that sounds pretty, but what it can, can also kind of look like is if I'd just done this, that wouldn't have happened. Or if I hadn't done that, that would have happened. But usually it's closer to 10 uh, that they, that the understanding of um, 
truly the concept of death. Now, kids might see that, um, you know, they might have experienced a, a pet that died. Mm. They might have experienced that they see a bug on the sidewalk that's dead. Um, so, so, you know, understanding that all living things die is one way to one concept that kids get understand, but understanding what happened to my dad that he's gone and I'm never going to see him again um, is, is sure. obviously much more complicated. I, a paradigm or a spectrum I'm thinking about right now, and this is the, this is not something I've, I've shared with you before. I think we all remember when we were teenagers and twenty somethings, and do you remember that that idiotic feeling of invincibility oh, that yeah. we had? We were bulletproof. Uh, absolutely, nothing could happen. I remember scoffing at my dad, telling me that I had to get health insurance. I'm healthy. Mm-hmm. I don't need it. I'm never going to get sick. Mm-hmm. I guess if you invert that a little bit and take that kind of weird mindset in your teenage years of invincibility and bump that back 10 years to you being eight years old and thinking that way about your parents mm-hmm. or grandparents mm-hmm. like they they can't die right like I, I it's been difficult for me with my dad being far away but there are parts of me as a 43 year old person that still sees my dad as invincible sure because we look at our parents that mm-hmm. way so yeah absolutely it's that sort of moral order of the universe um suddenly everything you know about life has changed. Um, and, and so that your place in it, how you're going to move through it, how other people react to you, given your, given your current situation, that's why it's so important how we answer and, and respond to kids who are grieving and why a place like Good Grief is so important. Because everybody that is there is there because somebody important to them has died. And going back to what I was talking about, those platitudes or those things we say to one another, um, what kids usually walk away from interactions like that with is they just don't get it. And I'm never talking about this to them again Mm -hmm. because it becomes it is so deeply ingrained in a kid who is is experienced or has experienced it that to try to explain it to somebody else, there's just no point. And that confusion creates probably anxiety and prolongs the grief. Absolutely. What What are some of uh, give you some of the activities that, that the kids do? Yeah, that help them. So, um, so one of the things we just did, we call it the fire breathing dragon, um, and it's it's an art based activity, um, and it's a toilet paper roll or paper towel roll with the you know colorful tissue paper on the end, and we talk about how. Um, you know, the way we feel sometimes we can help control that with the way we breathe. And so really that's just meant to be, you know, a visual cue of controlling somebody's breath. So, and and all of the activities, whether it's an art-based activity or an experiential task or, um, you know, any anything like that is meant really just to be a, a conduit to conversation. Because being able to talk about their thoughts and feelings and emotions um, in a completely supportive and non-judgmental atmosphere is where that healing can take place, where they can make peace on some level with their situation. Um, what are the ages of kids that you work with? So we work with kids from four to sort of late teens, young adult. 
Um, the classes or the uh, the programs are now back in person. You guys mm-hmm. are on Reynolds. We are four forty South Reynolds Road. Um, when are the uh, when are the programs? When do they run? How can people get involved? They're they're rolling, right? Or there's different sessions, different yeah. times of year. So so a couple things. We're, uh, we have program nights either on Tuesdays and families and volunteers come every other Tuesday, or on Wednesdays and families and volunteers come every other Wednesday. But I must tell you that our program season is pretty much the same as the school schedule. So we are nearing the end of this program season, um, but we will return probably mid to late August. So anybody that was interested in learning more, and we can, we can, we will be in the office. It's not, staff doesn't take this time off. Um, it's the, the break in the summer is really meant for our volunteers because all of the kids groups are facilitated by volunteers that Good Grief has trained. So we can, uh, as the school year winds down, we can shift our focus to June 2nd yes, and the wheelbarrow of liquor. <laughs> so um, I'll bring us up to speed here. In years past, uh, right as I got to be a part of it, I got to, to go to one breakfast mm-hmm. and it used to be a morning breakfast and everybody in the community who runs some kind of event should have gone to your breakfast just to see how you're so respectful of people's time Aww. because it was, was it 7.30 to 8.30? It was 8 to 9. Yeah. And, and snappy. We're rolling mm-hmm. along. There's no drag out it's like uh there are no long speeches like at the mm-hmm. grammys or the no. academy awards ryan weekman was a big part of it he was um now things have shifted to a to an, an evening event at the we pinnacle have, coming up yes. on june 2nd are yes. you ready we are getting there i mean um, you this oh, is your yeah. first oh yeah i'm ready okay um, yeah I, I live for this what can people expect how's it a little different from the breakfast so it first of all it's completely different time of day which is exciting um, and also we are having um, both a silent and a live auction. Uh, we have about 50 silent auction items. We're so thrilled. People have really responded in a, in a great and generous way. And I believe it's like seven really choice live auction, like some vacation packages that are awesome and, and some really neat um, different kind of experiential things too. So, what, can, uh, can you give me a couple? Well, one is uh, Mr. and Mrs. Santa Claus will come to your home. That's great. Yeah, so that's exciting. Um, and some behind the scenes kind of stuff at local, you know, um, uh, eateries and and drinkeries. Uh, so, that's, can you tell me which? I don't know if I can. Okay, that's fine. Know. I'll give you an example. Uh, and maybe this is one, not that I know about it. Um, I would like to see, I mean, these are my friends, so I probably could, but like, it would be neat to watch Kengo do his omakase. Oh, yeah, wouldn't or, it? Or watch Musa go wild at Souk. So mm-hmm. probably stuff like that mm-hmm. that you exactly. can't talk about. Exactly, that's the same the, idea. The Santa Claus thing is a great idea because like being in radio for the longest time, we always endeavor to offer prizes that money can't buy. Mm-hmm. And that experiential mm-hmm. stuff is awesome. And speaking of which... Uh, the, your own Denny Schaefer yeah, is, yeah. has its uh, behind the scenes guest DJ um, will be auctioned off as well. So 50 items is a lot. Like I've it been is. to a lot of these events and I can't, I mean, maybe there's 50, but I, I don't recall that program is going to be like an encyclopedia. <laughs> no, we'll take care of that. Okay. Don't you worry. Um, how can people get tickets? What else can they expect? Will there be any kind of program or format, food, drinks? Food is included. It's a cash bar. Tickets are $35 a piece. And that goes down to 30 uh, if you secure a table of 10. Okay. They can get tickets on our website, which is goodgriefnwo.org. Go to the events page um, and choose Raising Hope. 
Okay. And um, that will take you directly to the purchasing your own tickets. Um, if they want to, they can email me, Dorothy at goodgriefnwo.org. It's D-O-R-O-T-H-Y at goodgriefnwo.org. And I will send you the link directly. Uh, I guess we can thank Nick, Amlet Auctions. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really, you know, his his involvement at Good Grief and suggesting that, that you know, Toledo is, the Toledo community is so great at um, supporting some of the, like you mentioned, the other nonprofits in the area. And, and I don't know if people realize the, the role that nonprofits play. You know, they provide services that, we would either have to pay for out of our pocket or through our tax dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so supporting us um, in this way is uh, a fun way to create a more enlightened society. So uh, I think Toledo is great at doing that. And we're excited to see more of Toledo's people at, at our event on June 2nd. Raising hope. Yeah. Uh, one one final question and then we'll wrap up with some, some final details that people might need to know, including maybe... Throwing the uh, throwing the hook in the pond for maybe getting a, a new employee. Mm-hmm. Um, what is uh, what's this staunch opinion that you shared with me a couple of meetings ago, uh, talking about like grief and depression and uh, diagnoses? Do you feel like sharing that? Sure, uh, I'm I'm always ready to bold opinions. Yeah, hot takes. So grief is not a mental health issue in and of itself. Grief is not a mental health issue and should not be treated as such. There's a recent um, addition to the DSM um, so that grief can be charged to insurance. Mm. Um, And uh, there is a medication that has been sort of, um, I can't, I'm not going to remember the name of it right now, but it's pretty heavy duty. Uh, And people who are grieving, the problem with this DSM and and going down this road is that it it puts grief in a in a certain box, and if there's anything I know a hundred percent to be sure, we do this differently. All of us do this differently, and we do this in our own time frame, and it doesn't mean something's wrong with us. Yeah, it means it takes as long as it takes, and by giving it a diagnosis code and by treating it, I'm doing air quotes. Um, we take that individualism away, and that's a mistake. Um, something very powerful you, that you said that we didn't really get into, um, and it took me a, a moment to figure out uh, into uh, into adulthood. Like grief is on its own timeline with Absolutely. each individual person, and that's why um, we hope to shrink that timeline for kids with mm-hmm. good grief of Northwest Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for the time. Thank you. Uh, Facebook page, website, maybe the kind of person you're looking for for that open position? Uh, you know, somebody that has got uh, experience. If somebody had grief support experience, that would be great. But working with kids, uh, experience with running a, a support group. Um, yeah, have them give them a call. Have us give them me a call. You listening, reach out to Dorothy. <laughs> Dorothy Mockensturm. Uh, don't worry about trying to get that email. Just go to the Good Grief of North. Goodgriefnwo.com. Is that org. Okay. Or, or find them on Facebook. Raising Hope. Uh, it's going to be a big party. We would not have said that before. It's going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for that wheelbarrow of... <laughs> I saw somebody's email this morning, like whether or not there was enough in it. And I was like, <laughs> no, just keep adding stuff to it. Keep adding stuff to it. Thanks for the time as always. Thank you. Oh, this is much better. Do I sound okay? Yes, you do. Well, Mr. Officer, can you uh 
can you tell the the podcast people in Podcastville listening right now how uh, how Tom Hanks asked for your specific Toledo Police Security when he arrived in the four one nine? Well, what security? We were secure. We just making sure everything was fine. No trespassing. No nothing. Just yeah, it was good. Nice guy. Very nice guy. Was he, he? Did he treat you with the respect that you deserve? Yeah, yeah, very nice guy. Okay. He's a respectable man. It is so hard to hear you right now. Can you hear me better? That's much better. Oh, he's a very guy. He's a very nice guy. He's a very, he treated everybody with respect. Good. Do you know how long he was here for? Uh, I don't know. Like Yesterday was the only time they did uh, the shooting. I think two days, a couple of days, I believe. Two, three days. Yeah, I, don't, I know he was supposed to be like in and out of town real fast, and they had like a, 160 local people as, as extras, but that's neat that you got to hang out for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. He was a very nice guy. He was, uh, he talked to you for, uh, you know, he, you know everything, any questions you ask, he talked to you. He was very nice. What did, what did you ask him? Uh, I just asked him how it's going, how, how's the movie going on, and he said, it's good, good, real good. I think they got one more shoot somewhere else. I I don't know if it's done. they said in Canada or something like that, Niagara Falls, and then they're, they're done. It'll be in December. The movie will be out in December. Will you have an appearance in it? I will not. No, I was not an extra, no. Ah, uh, well, I mean, they, they could have used some police. They could have given you, what, some, like, 1970s police attire, which I actually would pay uh, a small amount of money to see you in. You know what's weird? They had a lot of people, like, 1970s, a lot of people dressed in that, in that like, uh, military, like, uh, Vietnam uh, wardrobe from military Vietnam wardrobe stuff like that. It was pretty neat to look at it. It's neat opportunities that we have uh, coming through here these days. I, it is. It is. I hope it happens more often. Um, you said he was answering questions like, "What were people asking him? Did you did you go? Hey, Tom, how's Rita doing? His wife? <laughs> I did not. I did not. I just asked him, you know, if we could take pictures. Absolutely." Absolutely. Then they said, make sure you don't, like, uh, I don't get a ticket or, <laughs> you know, give me a free uh, pass. Or, uh, you're you're good. You're good. Somebody had mentioned, it. one of my friends on Facebook had said, and maybe you saw this or heard this as well. Tom Hanks kind of kicked off COVID in this country um, when he, I think he was in Australia and he did that video and we're like, oh, this, this, this is real. Tom Hanks has it. Yes, yes, yes. Him and his wife, they had it. Him and his wife. It started, and when everybody said uh, Tom Banks and uh, his wife Rita Wilson had it, they said, "Oh, this is real." Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's let's you know, forget about celebrities because you have those kind of run-ins all the time. Being the celebrity that you are, um, yeah. When will the ice cream truck be out? That's good question. Hopefully, in the summertime. I that's up to the chief to say. You know, when he wants it out. You know. Okay. Hopefully soon. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. After two years with COVID, where we couldn't really hand out ice cream and do uh, community policing. Oh God! Yeah, we want it out. We, ice we do. Cream needs to be out. We do. Officer Shaib, everybody, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. You're awesome. You're all, right. all right, my friend. Um, <laughs> thank you, buddy. Z, Z needs to come talk to you and do a story on you now because you have had a Tom Hanks interaction, though. Yeah, I do. He's a great. Ah, 